The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Well, now it's time for our Friday Forum where we discuss some of the events of the week. We're joined by Richard Boyd Barrett, People Before Profit TD for Dunleary, by Kathleen Function, Sinn Féin TD for Carla Kilkenny, and by Neil Richmond, Minister of State at the Department of Enterprise, Trade and Employment, with special responsibility for business, employment, and uh, retail. Um, Lots of things to talk about this week, uh, but uh, let's talk about those uh, work stoppages or strikes. Uh, Richard, barristers go on strike with the support of solicitors. uh, Gardaí stop doing uh, voluntary overtime. What's going on? Well, I I think there's specific things in particular areas. There's also, to my mind, a more general problem because you can add to that list... The, we had the Forza industrial action in the local authorities recently. We had the Section 39 uh, community and voluntary workers for the HSE uh, talking about industrial action. We've had firefighters saying we don't have safe levels of, of firefighters and so on. Right, So I think there's a sort of general problem, uh, which is the frontline public service workers, maybe the barristers are slightly different to this, but frontline public service workers... There is managerialism at the top of the uh, government departments that aren't just listening to frontline workers as to what is going on on the ground. Uh, and uh, there's in many areas, there's serious problems in terms yeah. of recruitment, retention. Do, do you think that you know people just want to do things the way we always did them without necessarily taking account of changing societal circumstance? This is the way we used to do it. We'll keep doing that. Yeah, and I, I, I do think that's exactly what's... Uh, and it's sort of top-down managerialism. And uh, certainly, you know, when you think about health services, which is a key area where we've got big problems, I think a good starting point, and we see the HSE managers now also taking... In, in, uh, you know, who are mid-level, I want to stress, not the top management, right? In fact, they feel they're being, and I think they're right, being scapegoated by top management... Uh, for uh, the problems in the health service uh, is we need to start by listening to the frontline workers if we want to understand what is going wrong and what needs to be changed and address the recruitment and retention crisis uh, across the public service. Kathleen, what do you think is wrong? First of all, a general malaise for whatever reason, um, because we we were hearing during the week that, uh, in fact, wage rates generally are coping with inflation. No. Energy might be a different uh, matter, but generally speaking. Yeah, well, I think definitely I'd agree with a lot of what Richard is saying. Is I think morale is at an all-time low in lots of sectors. We also had the childcare workers out last week as well. Um, so there is, there is definitely issues, I think, of low staffing levels. And that obviously affects you know, everybody at work, you can imagine yourself if you're taking on extra work and extra duties kind of unofficially and that goes on for weeks and months and you're like... Which sector are you talking about? Well, I think in lots of sectors, but specifically within the Gardaí, I think that they're under serious pressure. We know that they don't have enough resources. Uh, We know that, you know, a lot of stations, for example, aren't up to standard in terms of broadband and and all of that sort of stuff. And I do think that uh, we definitely need like a proper consultation with those sectors. and, yeah. and Is there a bit of a problem though, you know, whether you're in A&E as a frontliner or whether you're in a guard the station as a frontliner, that the more you moan about how things, how bad things are, the less likely it is that people will sign up to do those jobs. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Oh, we the guards are having a terrible time. 
So a young man or woman who wanted to join the guards said, well, I'm not joining that shower. Things are so bad. Well, I think to be fair to those working in the sector, they have to be able to exercise their rights as well and say when things are not working. And I actually think that there's lots of groups that we wouldn't have traditionally seen. You know, I know like people refer to it as the blue flu, the odd time over over years, but you don't really hear guards coming out very often. Um, You certainly don't hear anyone in the kind of justice sector, solicitors, barristers. So I do think... People are are trying to yeah. actually say to government, we're at breaking point here in many sectors and we actually just need people to listen. Mm. So to, 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 sorry, yeah. I was going to say, Before just to take you. the firefighters, that certainly the point you make there is not the case. I mean, we were talking to the firefighters. They were saying that there's huge numbers of people want to be firfighters. Yeah. There's massive. They can't make it work economically. Well, you, the, the you point know, they, they were making they, is there's not need, enough training courses. But they, they also they, they, need to be forward thinking by the department. They have to be effectively full time because the old days yeah. when you, li- you you worked maybe around the corner from the fire station uh, with an employer who was understanding and you could be let go to the fire. And not just the retained services, Pat. Even in the even here in Dublin, right? There's uh, they don't have safe staffing levels, right, for firefighters. There's huge numbers of people who want to be firefighters, but there's not enough training courses being done, okay, which is Neil, crazy. Um, government not listening, not understanding, management from the top. Yeah, I think it's it's very important that you've, you've mentioned, we've spoken very general about incidents and actions that are all quite unique. You know, the GRA have an issue with rostering. It's not to do with pay. Uh, criminal barristers are looking for pay to be res- restored back. Um, it hasn't been restored since 2002. Um, childcare, it's a portion of childcare providers. Obviously, I'm extremely sympathetic based on my wife's profession and my kids' status at life. It's not all of them. And we have to dig down into each one of the individual concerns because there's not one just uh, managerial approach that's going to solve all these issues. They're right but to have But what Richard is suggesting that there is a kind of a tendency not to listen. In other words, if yeah. you want to know what's going on, you do your research, you do a deep, deep dive, you listen to the people who are doing these jobs, what their problems are, and you try to solve them. That's the job of government. And that's what the government is doing. And these uh, um Action, be they strike action or worked rules, will be resolved. And we saw the issue with the uh, retained firefighters will be resolved. We saw this week the GRA back into discussions with Guardian Management. It's resolved through negotiation and discussion. And what the government has consistently said is each individual action can be resolved. And there are very clear structures and mechanisms when they get out of hand. There's a very clear, there's no mystery about um, how pay is decided in this country when it comes to public sector. When we talk about public pay talks, issues have to be resolved. But but for example, the barristers, and we don't want to go to bat for the barristers particularly because one cohort in that profession would be very well healed indeed. And then there are the the, the people who are maybe beginning their careers and going into criminal law, uh, be it as prosecutors or or defenders. And they ticked every box that was required of them to get their pay restored. And it just wasn't. Yeah, but we're also in a situation that we have a budget on Tuesday and where this can actually happen is in the budget on Tuesday. Why does it have to be a budgetary measure? Because when you make one decision, it has a knock-on effect on every single decision. And what has been said quite clearly is this is a matter... The Minister for Justice. No, but I'll tell you why I'm asking this mm. question. The HSE uh, and, and therefore the Department of Health have uh, run coaching four through their budget this year. So mm. why couldn't the Minister for Justice run coaching four mm. and sort out the barristers if they agree that they've ticked all the boxes, boxes necessary for restoration? Well, the Minister of Justice has very clearly said that the case will be made to the Minister for Public Expenditure and he'll make the decision of that. In relation with health and in relation to other departments that have had budgetary overruns, a lot of that is 
reaction to increased demand on the service. It's not necessarily about base level salary. It's about base level service. And I think when we're having this entire conversation, we're trying to pick a general slant on what each case is very individual and very merited. We have the mechanisms to resolve them. They will be resolved. Yeah, there are specifics. There's no doubt about it. But there are also generals. And as we head towards the budget... Uh, the government are playing down and deliberately sort of discouraging expectations and the mantra repeated again and again and again, which is demoralising for many of these workers, is, sorry, we can't fully protect you uh, against the cost of living and housing uh, crisis that no, no, you're facing. No, no, that is the mantra. No, no, We've heard it repeatedly. It up, no, no, that's the mantra, the slant you've But that's being said, while there's... No, no. There's enormous two, resources there's available to the reality that needs to be put into the budgetary discussion. We can see the rumblings of recession on the continent. We can see a slowdown in corporation tax. We can see a slight uptick in unemployment rates. However, what the government is saying, yes, we will provide support. We will put more money back into people's pockets. We will provide massive new investment. But we have to be realistic. We have budgetary proposals that are looking to blow the surplus uh, in one year. That's just foolhardily and is simply kicking a problem to keep to people problem. to keep people no, no. out of poverty and to be able to pay so their bills is not inflationary so you want to ruin lives in two years time no. simply to make a decision no, now I, it's short termism but, but that debate which issues. will be played out in the budget will be whether or not you embark on a, a series of ongoing recurrent expenses or whether the government decides to give one off presence to people to get them through the recession. We shall see what strategy they take. But uh, Richard, the HSE recruitment freeze of management and admin staff, which has just been announced, and just to give people the figures, uh, the HSE was funded to increase management and admin staff by 1,400 people this year. However, so far, up to the beginning of October, there's been a growth of 1,650. In other words, 250 more than were sanctioned. So they're saying enough is enough. We have enough Admin, we well, need I, more clinical people. I, I, I would tend to listen to the workers themselves and I listened to the Forza <coughs> official today and what she pointed out was that the, the, the overrun that has prompted this recruitment freeze is in fact to do with a huge ballooning of expenditure on consultants and agency workers. Uh, and she makes the point that if you actually recruit uh, uh, employed people directly, it will be much cheaper than uh, relying on agency yeah. workers and bringing but, but external so. consultants but, but that are very expensive. Of, of recruiting 250 more people than you got sanctioned for in not on the front line, not the clinical staff, but administrators that you you had sanctioned for a hell of a lot of people, but, 1,400 people, but, and you still can't manage with 1,400. Well, yet. mid-level administrators are, di- are different from top management. And as the demands on the health service are growing, you actually do need, if you like, that mid-level uh, administration and management, uh, not least, by the way, because of the massive waiting lists and the failure of the government to deal with the waiting lists means waiting you need you need more and more people to deal with the chaos. In relation to the HSE, I think we, you have to look at it as a whole. So this is just one section in relation to administration staff. There is difficulties where every year it seems that the budget is overrun. The, you know, frustrating for people um, who are listening into these programmes because they're thinking, well, I'm waiting X amount of time on a list or my child is waiting X amount of time. And, you know, a lot of urgent lists that we hear about is 18 months to, to two years and that's considered urgent. But employing so, someone who's going to sit at a computer is no, not going exactly, to get your but, child but treated. No, but the point I'm making is that you, we need, you need to kind of look at it all together. Like we do need far more 
you know, frontline staff, nurses, doctors. And we need to be imaginative around how we recruit nurses because we're current, we're not retaining but what, them. What's your take on the, the extra 250 that were employed over and above the 1,400 that were sanctioned? Well, I, I don't know if there was, it was, was there a need for those. I mean, I, I don't have you the don't detail okay. on that. Neil, you know, was there a need for those? We got 250 people that really aren't doing all that much on the payroll. Well, that's the case well, that HSC the is, has to make the Department of Health. But if we've given sanction for 1,400 uh, administrative staff, and they do play an important role, let's not dismiss and say they don't do yeah. nothing. They do keep our hospitals and our clinics running, and many of them work above and beyond. Um, but it's quite clear that we do need more clinical professionals. That's why we've hired directly more nurses, more doctors, why I've given out 5,000 work permits for healthcare staff to come into the country from outside the jurisdiction where we're get, keeping proportionally more people who are graduating from nursing staying in the Irish healthcare system this year than the last two years. But when you have an overrun of this thing, we all talk about it every year. The Department of Health has a responsibility, the HSE, to say you were sanctioned for 1,400, you've now gone over by 250. Where is the justification? If we don't believe there's a justification in a health budget that's gone over by 1.1 billion, if that's just due to increased demands, that's understandable. Mm. But if it's down to inefficiencies over increased demand, yeah. they're right to therefore now, stop. The question, going back to Richard, on political responsibility for, if you like, bureaucratic inefficiency, um, because we throw money at our health service. Uh, all the comparisons with OECD and all the rest put us up very high in terms of the money we, we spend. Now, we don't have enough hospital beds, therefore we're not very efficient in doing what we should be doing. So how do you sort out, you know, th- this is, I always say it, it's like a 747 in the sky and we have to try and service it while it's still running. Yeah, uh, well, uh, as somebody said to me yesterday talking about the health service, it's like a ship with no captain. And uh, that's not a bad description, frankly. I mean, part part of the problem, I think, uh, and this is why we're very strongly of the view we need a single-tier integrated national health service, is our health service is massively fragmented, right? And that adds to the chaos. So one bit of it is run by the HSE, another bit of it is run by the Sisters of Charity, another by the Bon Secours, another by, you know, it's ridiculous, right? It's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, and that creates chaos. And then, of course, critically, we don't have the frontline nurses, doctors, uh, all the okay, other. But, but the NHS but in Britain, you create the bureaucracy. The NHS in Britain the, is on its knees. Yeah, because the Tories savaged it. But the National Health Service principle, uh, yeah, and when it was established, was a state of the art, and it was the envy of the world. And indeed, you know, uh, the, the attachment of ordinary English people to the National Health Service is precisely an attachment to what the, the National Health Service used to be, but the Tories have, have Kathleen? ripped yeah, it apart. I would agree with that. I think we, we definitely, the, the idea of like a single tier system where you go to your GP if you need to to go on to hospital, you're referred in. It's not a, a huge, big, traumatic thing where you're contacting all your local politicians trying to see if you can get, you know, into the hospital for a vital operation. Like, and I, it, it, we need to look at it all together and reform the whole the whole situation within the HSE because we do need to say, why is there so many overruns? Mm. Like, is there genuine situations where we, where, we, where we have overruns? And then there's obviously times where it's just, it's being very badly managed. Mm. So I think we, we do need serious I, reforms, I but you have to look at it all together. We put the NHS needlessly on a pedestal. The the model is 70 years old. Healthcare provision 70 years ago in the UK in a post-war environment was totally different. When we talk about care in the community, when we talk about step-down services and getting people back into their home, that isn't the NHS model. The NHS model is broken in the UK and it is because of the Tories. And, you know, I'm no friend of them. I've spent five years giving out about them on other issues. 
but it's also systematic change because it's not just if you can get on a GP for a start in Northern Ireland it's a miracle the waiting list is out the window the waiting time for operations It's impossible to get a GP down here too With respect Kathleen the waiting times for operations in Northern Ireland Scotland Wales are double what they are in this jurisdiction So will I just finish the point Richard What I'm saying is we can achieve something better and if we look at actually what we can achieve what our health service does have our health service needs a lot of improvement but the results aren't half as bad as Okay, uh, just that point about Northern Ireland where Sinn Féin have political power. Things are brutal there too. Well, I mean, obviously there, there's a different situation and that's well known. It's a point that's brought up on a regular basis by Fianna Gael. There's, it's a different system. You're looking at a block grant, you know, in, in terms of, and you're, you are looking at the NHS system that has been already pointed out. Yeah, but isn't it very hard destroyed. to advocate f- a, for an increase in a block grant when you're not even turning up at Westminster? You know, Well, I think that's a really It's unfair. a different question. But, but, but Pat, hang on a second. That you, you're mm. after making that point now and I think that's extremely unfair because, I mean, it's obvious to everybody we have been adamant about being at the negotiating table about trying to get Stormont back up and running. We are not saying we don't want to go I back didn't, into Stormont. I said Westminster. Yeah, the block grant is, derives from Westminster, not from Stormont. Yeah, but I mean, we've always had that situation and that's a, a long-standing mm. policy of ours. So it's not okay. it's not new information to anyone. But, but can I just say this, the situation down here in, in terms of access to, to operations and access to GPs is horrific, particularly in rural mm. areas. It's, it's nearly impossible yeah. to get a GP. An interesting thing here, ask how many nurses or doctors working as agency workers are employed full-time in hospitals as well. I know it was double but, jobbing. But, well, well, sorry, but the use of agency workers, this is precisely the point, and this is the, the point that the Forza <laughs> were making about the HSE uh, recruitment uh, uh, freeze, is that it's actually blaming their members for uh, the over-reliance on consultants and agency workers. And that is rampant, by the way, in the health service, partly because people don't want to take the full-time jobs in the health service because yeah, it's so but, bad. But we yeah, this is the it, chaos exactly. is so bad. My partner is a midwife for the HSE. She's highly dedicated to her job and actually loves what she does, but she's miserable every day going to work due to constant pressure, understaffed shifts and hospital exactly. management that don't care to improve the system. She will soon be looking to leave the job as yeah. it's simply becoming too much for her own health. Well, there you are. Look, I want to park that because we're only a couple of minutes left. And now, Richard, you, I believe, went to a rugby school, did you not? Uh, I did for a few years. Did, did you play it out years. half or scrum half? or? Uh, I played for a while full back. Full back, okay. Yeah. Now, I was mostly a soccer player playing for a local club, but I did play rugby for a yeah, few yeah. years. So you um, are looking forward to tomorrow night, I presume? Ah, yeah, I think, how could you not be? At, at, you know, I think everybody's excited by it and uh, the South Africa game was pretty thrilling, you know. Absolutely. I've never seen it again. I haven't seen I many games earlier. Like I called it exquisite torture. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I think it will be. And Scotland, you know, they're not going to be a pushover, so it'll be an exciting uh, an exciting game, and uh, yeah, it'd be it'd be it certainly cheered a country up if, uh, <laughs> if, if Ireland, yeah. you know, won Ka- this. Kathleen, are you a rugby fan? I, I have to admit, I I wouldn't be the, the biggest rugby expert, but I do agree with that. You know, anything that's uh, positive and that brings people together, it's always lovely to see, and it's fantastic. And and there's some of my family that would be uh, very into it and would be tuned in. Yeah. But it, it is, it's great. It's 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 uh, it's lovely when you have that feeling in the country. It's really nice. Yeah, as long as we come out at the right end of the, the tussle. Neil, are you a rugby man? Did you go to a rugby school? Uh, well, I played rugby in school. Whether or not we were a rugby school wasn't of the 
the ability of Richard's school, but I must say, <laughs> R- Richard is one of the finest goalkeepers I've ever seen. Are you football. serious? Yeah, I've played football, Richard. He he talks himself down uh, a kingdom, but no, I, I still play rugby. Thank Would you believe that? In <laughs> Metro 6 for old Wesley, I was over at the match in Paris against South Africa. Um, I'm fulfilling a boyhood dream to talk about rugby on the radio, Pat. I think we're both, it's a brilliant Irish team. So if they throw you out the next election, uh, rugby punditry beckons. If, uh, if anyone in News Talk is hiring and needs an ill-informed <laughs> pundit, I'm available. But it's going to be a great match on Saturday and I think we are going to win. win, win uh, well. Finally and briefly to you all, when we close down Dublin to all sort of vehicular traffic, Richard, will you be taking your electric scooter to work? Oh, jeez, no way would I risk it on an electric, <laughs> an electric scooter. I'd be terrified. Kathleen, it's a bit far from Carla Kilkenny, I'm Yeah, afraid. yeah. Well, and we can't even rely on the public transport, unfortunately. Yeah. We have to, we, I, I'm, all, I'm often making that point, you know, yeah. that we have to, to drive up. But uh, no, I would, certainly wouldn't feel confident. No. And Neil? I'm a Lewis man, but uh, if I was given the ch- I have ridden an e-scooter many a times in other cities and not quite for me, but maybe for us. Uh, anyway, the regulations in fine detail still to come. Look, my thanks to all of you for joining us today. Richard Boyd Barrett, People Before Profit uh, TD for Dunleary, Kathleen Funchen, Sinn Féin TD for Carla Kilkenny and Neil Richmond, Minister of State at the Department of Enterprise, Trade and Employment with special responsibility for business, employment and retail. Thank you one and all. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk.